0: Hi everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the Aviation Lowdown. Last week we talked to a girl named Nicole who was an air traffic controller on the tarmac. Actually no, she was a ramper on the ramp. But uh, the point is we're going to be shifting gears a little bit this episode talking to you about some new people, some pilots. If you're an aviation nerd, you're, you're going to want to stay tuned. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for like the past ten years, you're probably well aware of the fact that there are many famous people named Steve in the aviation industry. But this particular Steve's really popular on YouTube. But he's he's a pilot. That's right. Coming to you from the Aviation Lowdown episode four, I have on the show today, Stevo One steve Stevo, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks, hello. I appreciate it. Uh- Thanks for having me on board. I look forward to uh, chatting with you for a little bit here.
0: Same to you, man. Thanks for being on the show. I got to say, you have a huge following on YouTube. I'm just looking through it a second ago. Unbelievable. Uh, Is that your primary form of communication on the internet to your fans these days?
1: Yeah, I've been on YouTube about since 2006. About four years ago, I decided to take it a little bit more seriously. I had about 3,000 subscribers when I decided to take it more seriously, and it's now jumped up to around 270-something thousand people. And it's <laughs> wow. just by, I, I like photography, and I like editing, and I just decided to put a little bit more work into the channel.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, one of the things that your channel does incredibly well, and I always feel this way, is watching these videos as a non-pilot. I feel that I'm sort of getting flight instruction in a POV sense, I'm in the right seat and Steve01 Knievo is in the left seat and he's talking to me as if I'm there and it's a very authentic experience. And I think that actually is what sets you apart in a way. Is that, uh, you know, sort of yes. what you try to do with this?
1: When I first started the channel, what really uh, gained traction on it was when I was able to talk to the camera. Uh, about four years ago is when I bought the GoPro Aviation audio cable where I could actually communicate with my viewers a lot more mm-hmm. than just adding music to airplane footage and where i wanted to go with it is actually have the viewer feel like they're right in the airplane with me i basically when i'm doing something or thinking something i basically just talk about exactly what i'm doing
0: for from somebody who has sort of uh, worked with musicians it's sort of like a stream of consciousness you're just sort of expressing yourself as to what's going on in the moment and the observer is kind of part of that procedure so exactly.
1: I know there's some of the viewers are like Thunderbird pilots and Blue Angel pilots mm-hmm. and some of my viewers are brand new into aviation starting out. So I try to uh, have my content appeal to a wide range of people.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And in the beginning was it like that from the from the start or was it something you evolved into?
1: No, I basically evolved into that. I mean, I didn't really even know what I was doing in the beginning of my YouTube channel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds familiar. Believe me. Uh, when we first started talking today, you were telling me just how long you've been working on this channel, and I was amazed. Uh, 2007 or 2006, you said it
1: was? Yeah, 2006 is when I started my channel, not wow. knowing what it would evolve into. Yeah. You know, it just happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I even, like, being, think back. Yeah, it was in high school back then. It seems like a million years ago.
1: Yeah, being able to talk to the viewers is what really you know gave my channel a lot of growth.
0: For sure. And did you always want to be a pilot, going back to sort of your career base?
1: Uh, I remember when I was young, I always like loved airplanes. But as you know, aviation is an expensive thing to get into. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't able to really afford it until I got out of the Coast Guard. And I was in the United States Coast Guard for four years, mm-hmm. and I had the GI Bill, which actually pays for tuition for schooling. Right. And I got a letter from the Coast Guard saying, if I didn't use my benefit... I was basically going to lose it. So I was like, "Well, mm-hmm. man, i got to think of something to go to school for. Yep. I ended up uh, deciding to go get all my ratings. They don't pay for the private, but they pay, back when I did it, they paid 60% of all the rest of your ratings after your private pilot license. Wow. So um, I ended up going and getting all my ratings mm-hmm. uh, just for fun because I really enjoyed you know, aviation and the challenge of it. And then it just happened that I became a career out of it.
0: Wow. So did you have your privates before doing the GI Bill or not? You learned from the ground up at that point.
1: Yeah, I learned right from the ground up. Uh, I just took my time with it. Uh, It took me about three years, I believe. I wasn't Mm -hmm. really in a hurry, you know, because I really, you know, I was just doing it for fun. Right,
0: right. So, I mean, have you had anybody come up to you and say, you know, you inspired me to become a pilot or get into aviation or do something related to the field? It seems to me like having a quarter million plus subscribers would have, you know, resulted in something like that.
1: No, and that's actually what keeps me going with this channel is Mm -hmm. I get a lot of those messages. I mean, it's, to me... Once you edit videos long enough, it becomes kind of like a job and work. So, you know, it's not always as easy as you think, always consistently uploading videos. But uh, when I get these emails, when I go to these aviation events like Sun and Fun and Oshkosh and I have my meetups, and you get to see all the positive influence that a YouTube channel can have on, you know, on a person, it's amazing. I get a million of those messages of people that are like inspired that have become pilots.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's such a positive feedback loop too on YouTube. Like, you can go on there, put something on there, people come back to you like instantly later. They say, hey, this was so much fun or this was inspiring or this was entertaining or maybe, hey, like this is what you could be doing better. You know, there's always some f- some form of feedback going on. But I even said in the first episode of this whole podcast series, this is such an exciting time to be alive. I mean, you can type in something on YouTube and like learn a new skill, learn how to fly a plane, learn how to mess with Adobe After Effects and there's whole communities based on on this type of stuff. So to be part of that community is really the epitome of all the fun, I think.
1: Yeah, YouTube, it's an amazing community to be part of. I mean, mm-hmm. with the other fellow aviators that also put out content, getting to meet up with them and everything, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: So I got to ask, I mean, flying is obviously something that's highly regulated, the faa and everybody else involved they have laws and things i mean is there a law against filming things when you fly or not i'm not a pilot so i truly don't know i know some of my friends you know they record with uh with gopros and things like this too so i imagine well, there's no issue with it
1: i got a title for your podcast here dealing with the faa <laughs> I've, uh, yeah. two years ago i went through the gauntlet with them as, as bad as it gets really they, uh they found my youtube channel and the local Fisdo down here in Miami, they came at me for everything and anything they could possibly think of. No kidding. To throw me under the bus, I had to get a. I got a lawyer. And this is all for. Uh, this is all because of uh, YouTube. Right. So if you're going to put your content out there, you better make sure you know exactly what you're doing. And even if you are doing everything correctly, what you show in your video—if you don't show something like a checklist—it's perceived that you're not using checklists. Uh, really? A lot of editing goes into my videos. I mean, they came at me for saying, you're flying a drone in your videos. You, do you have a Part 107 license? Well, yes, mm. so here it is. They came at me, you're not using checklists. Here's a video of my uh, my videos. I'm using a checklist. Right. Uh, you're flying Part 135 with passengers in the back and filming. Here's all the wa- weight and balances from all those flights. I'm talking to cameras, not people in the airplane. Like a lot mm-hmm. of times, I t- like you mentioned earlier, I talk to the cameras like, the people are on board with me. Well, they thought I was actually talking to people in the plane. Right. And I'm right. like, I, so I, I had to go. I got a formal investigation. Wow. They, they put me through a, uh, they issued me a 709 ride. Do you know what that is?
0: I don't. What is that? It's like a recheck it's ride? A
1: re, it's a reexamination uh, mm. check ride. I mean, if you fail that, you're pretty much done. Wow. So, and I originally thought, well, let me, you know, I'm not doing a 709 ride because I didn't do anything wrong. Right. Uh, well, guess what? If the FAA says you're doing a 709 ride, you're doing a 709 it. ride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, so, so in, in a sense, I mean, the basis of the main argument is, is a camera considered a passenger? I mean, in that sense, it's like if the camera witnessed everything and you were talking to the passenger and, and skipping things, which you weren't. But suppose you edited it to cover that up. It's like their argument is you've skipped critical parts of the flight or whatever. And so, yeah. I, I so mean, you gotta be that's, very careful. that's a weird part. I've never heard of that. That's incredible.
1: And all the, what they had issues with was part 135, my one, part 135 job.
0: Now, can you, exp- uh, not to interrupt, but can you explain to the uh, listeners what the difference is between, let's say, 91, 121, 135, just real quick, because I think some of them probably are confused between some of those uh, uh, terms. Yeah,
1: part 91 is basically you're just private pilot, like you're flying yourself around, you're not mm-hmm. flying for compensation. Part 135 is when you're going to be flying for a company, you know, that you got, People that are on board paying for tickets to right. have you transport them—that's a different set of rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Part 91 is the least amount of rules. Uh, Part 135 is you got a little bit more rules, and then Part 121 is like your airlines, which even have more rules. Um, you know, normally uh, the FAA—they don't want to see you filming videos in a Part 135 job or Part 121. I know some YouTubers actually have gotten permission to, mm-hmm. uh, under certain circumstances, to be able to film, but. Uh, they highly suggest you don't film part no, 135. What or is it, like 24. a
0: waiver you have to apply for, so to speak, for that type of thing?
1: Yeah, hmm? I'm not actually sure about how you get permission to uh, film in those different mm-hmm. types of jobs. Right. So now now all my flying and filming is strictly just part 91, yep. uh, where it's not as restricted with different rules. And they don't really seem to have an issue as much as the other uh, types of jobs. But right. even under part 91... You want to make sure, if you're going to be filming and flying under a Part 91 privately, there's there's a lot of rules even just to be a pilot flying privately. I mean, don't go buzz a ship at 200 feet in your video <laughs> right, you know right. a, a boat or something at there's plenty
0: feet. of those types of videos on youtube i'm sure a lot of you guys listening perhaps you saw them yourself and you're thinking to yourself i like, think man all they need to do is freeze a frame find a tail number or whatever or you can recognize where they're flying and figure out who it was you know so there's a lot of incriminating information if people do that type of stuff now obviously that your videos don't have anything you know hugely incriminating and stupid like that but i'm saying there are people out there they post things and you're thinking oh man
1: like Really, they're putting stuff oh, on. Yeah. You know, we you'll get see, stuff sent to us like that too. It's crazy. You'll see somebody take a drone up, up over the clouds, above the clouds, like going way above four hundred feet in a video on YouTube. I'm just like it's so irresponsible. Yeah, well, there's tons of that.
0: Like you know, the uh, maximum, uh, maximum altitude Phantom Four, and these guys have clearly done something to the firmware to allow it to fly. You know, that that altitude, and it's very easy to find that information if you want. Uh, one of the things that I always thought was sort of interesting, and maybe you know more about this than I do, but Europe. It seems to me that there's a lot of pilots who are quote influencers, uh, you know, in European airspace, European airlines. Do you think that that's because of just the overall culture of their workforce and how they handle regulations? Because in the FAA, like obviously, now that I've talked to you about what you experience, it seems to be pretty strict around here. Are the airlines more lenient, or the European Union, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I've never flown over in Europe or dealt with their system, so I couldn't really yeah. tell you. Like, it's how crazy. It's I
0: just it seems like there's just a lot of those pilots who make a living or at least make a huge following out of their influence videos, and they're all pilots for European airlines, it seems. So it's crazy. I don't know. It's something I, I noticed over the past few uh, few years. So turning the tide a little bit, uh, do you use Instagram or you know, there other platforms? you predominantly stay on YouTube?
1: Yeah. Well, the one thing I realized, if you're going to grow like a YouTube channel, you have to be on every platform. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was never really a big... Uh, on like Twitter and all the other different social medias. But I realized if you're going to grow one, it's easier to grow a channel if you're on every platform of social media.
0: Right. Yeah. We actually talked to each other on Instagram. That's how we sort of got in touch with this thing. Uh, Real quick, just to kind of shift back, kind of not to jump all over the place, but I didn't ask, and I was going to ask, what kind of equipment are you flying? What kind of planes do you do for most of your videos?
1: Currently I'm flying a TBM 850. That's my full-time job, which is what I consider. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing job. I only maybe work four to six days a month. And then wow. I also fly uh, Cessna Grand Caravans for makers there out of Fort Lauderdale. They they, they own the uh, Daniel Key Yacht Club also in Exumas. So I do a lot of flying out in the Bahamas with the yacht club and in the Grand Caravans. And then I'm also like the backup pilot on a Kodiak for a family that owns one that lives out in uh, Cat, Cat Key in Bimini in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're, so you
0: get a bit yeah. of everything. I mean, would you say that your flying experience is more uh, unique than, say, flying for an airline? Because it seems to me that the end game for a lot of people starting is to be an airline pilot. But now that I've experienced just as myself as sort of being this uh, you know, intermediary between a lot of these pilots, a lot of people desire, once they get into the industry, to kind of like experiment with new things and find new types of people, types of planes, types of places to fly. And it seems to me like you're definitely doing something unique and a little, a little bit different than your traditional route. I mean, is that true?
1: Yeah. uh, My first job was with a regional airline out of South Florida, and Mm -hmm. I could have easily gone to the airline route, but I decided to – I looked at what I consider to be the most important thing to me is the quality of life that you're going to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: I enjoy being home and being able able to be with my family and friends. A yep. lot. So having a lot of free time with the type of jobs that I pick, it's it's amazing. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. home a lot, get to sleep in right. my own bed almost every night and that that's to me yep. that's what I look for is quality of life. <laughs> it's
0: it's a beautiful thing. And you know, and I resonate a lot with that statement, but it's also enabled you to build your brand and build your image and it continues to grow to this day at a huge rate. Yeah, so, it's really exciting. You know, it ended up being a great decision for you. Absolutely. I'm really happy for you with that. What was the most frightening experience uh, so far of your aviation career? I mean, besides being investigated by the FAA, that sounds a little bit terrifying.
1: That was terrifying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. But no, no. I mean, do you have any other uh, particular notable moments? Something that was scary, or just kind of weird or strange? Like anything that you remember as being like
1: that? There, here's the thing: as you fly long enough, the craziest things are going to happen to you. Sure. I uh, did a video a long time ago. I had to take it down because it was in the caravan where you know the FAA had an issue with it. But it, was my, it was my top. Three Moments of Chaos.
0: <laughs> Sounds interesting. Um, I'd watch it.
1: <laughs> so I, I wish... I don't know if we can how long we can go in this thing, but I, I, yeah, I stayed in my top three moments of chaos. Mm-hmm. It basically went like this. Oh, well, actually, I can't remember what it was now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just been purged from your brain. It was so tra- traumatizing, you know? But well, I vaguely okay. so, remember seeing that, I think. It was yeah, like a few my, years ago.
1: Let me try to think here. My top three moments of chaos. One, w- number three was... I was taking off out of the Bahamas. I just stopped and cleared in. You know, I, The doors were all open on the caravan. I'm getting back in. And we're rolling down the runway. Right as I rotate, the most angry wasp comes Ooh, out of nowhere and sucks. just is going crazy up on me as I'm <laughs> rotating. So you Ouch. know, I'm trying to concentrate on flying the plane, but I have this m- massive angry wasp that's just going crazy trying to get me.
0: Thankfully, Did it
1: sting you? <laughs> a passenger right behind me saw what was happening. He rolled up a newspaper and hit it like four times to try to kill it. This thing was indestructible. The second uh, most chaotic moment of my uh, career was I had a bunch of models on board the airplane taking them Hmm. out. For okay. a photo shoot. All right, all right. And they decided to go clothing optional. They were a little <laughs> intoxicated,
0: that's and awesome. they
1: decided to go clothing optional on the flight. So as you know, as a pilot, you're trying to stay mm-hmm. focused on your flight, and you get that kind of distraction. That was ca- yeah,
0: that's not distracting that at all. Chaos. Totally normal operation. And then my number
1: one <laughs> moment of chaos happened. Uh, I was out in the Bahamas again, cruise altitude in a caravan, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I heard a pop, a bang right behind me. And I'm like, Ooh. "What?" And simultaneously, white liquid or white something white went all over the whole dash of the airplane the whole cockpit it was on the ceiling dripping down on me all over me i look back and what happened is from the pressurization a family was opening up a bottle of breast milk
0: and it Ooh. sprayed
1: all over the whole <laughs> cockpit oh, all man. over me and i was at the beginning of a day a long day where it's hot real hot out there in the palms so you can imagine how that went for that oh, day. oh
0: man that would have traumatized me for uh, a solid lifetime perhaps i don't know so,
1: those are my that, top three moments of chaos.
0: Yeah, they're de- and that, you know, with the FAA, too, included at that, I, it just seems to me like that's a, a whole career worth of uh, chaos. Although, I got to admit, though, the model shoot sounds a little intriguing. I don't know if you, uh, you know, had any good times about that. You know, it's probably experience, too, because you get to meet all these people, too, and you're sort of like their personal chauffeur in a way. And so that's kind of cool, too. They experience yeah. that with you, you know.
1: Yeah, that was back at one of my when I used to fly for a charter company. So mm-hmm. you'd fly all kinds of celebrities and get to meet, and know them. Dave, David Copperfield. I'd spend many nights out on his private island. Oh, cool! Uh, it's pretty exciting. So those sure. those are the fun, kind of crazy, chaos moments. Yeah, scarier right. moments throughout my life. You know, I've my airplane has been struck by lightning. In I've flight are on
0: the ground? Is that uh, when you were oh, flying? Oh, in it?
1: flight. I wow. Mean, you wouldn't. It's not like you think it would. You don't hear a big bang or anything. It's just just right. really bright light. I've hmm. had my ele- electrical fire in flight at night in a Seminole which Ooh. was really scary. I thought honestly I didn't think I was going to survive that night because when your airplane's filling up with smoke yeah. you honestly think this is I mean fire in flight is basically one of the, you know the the worst That's, thing ever. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. bad.
0: I you know I actually was in a, a Cessna 152 out of Lafayette, Indiana flying with uh, a friend who I'm. It's going to leave his name out. I'm not sure if he uh, even listens to this podcast, but we're still good friends. We still talk, and uh, we had a short. It wasn't anything like a fire, but we did blow a fuse. And I remember the white smoke coming in from the landing light switch because I was just in the right seat, and he was flying. And he goes, "You know, hit our landing lights. We're coming in to land." And immediately, I just, you know, I saw smoke, and you know, the Cessnas have those vents near the wing spars, I believe. And yeah. We just, uh, you know, it sucked it right out uh, the the smoke almost instantly. But I'm like, you know, what the hell was that? And I can't even imagine what it would be like to actually have a fire situation. But I do remember the smoke. I mean, did you know where the fire originated from? Do you, did you extinguish it? What well, happened? see, I
1: was I was a new pilot at this point, but I went yeah. off of what I should do with instincts. I mean, basically, I just killed the battery switch. You, because what happened is all the lights started flickering. I couldn't talk to ATC anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was all the smoke started pouring out from the dash. So I killed the battery. Right. And then what I did is I uh, turned off every piece of electronic equipment to the off position, and then I would return the battery back on to try to just maybe hopefully just turn on one thing at a time to try to get you know the more important things running. But as soon as I turned the battery back on, even with everything off, the smokes continued to start to pour out again. So it ended up being a short behind-the-com-1 radio is what they eventually found. I mean, like I said, this is so long ago. This is like the beginning of my training.
0: Yeah, I mean, to have that happen so early in your career is crazy, but it's also such a good learning tool, I would imagine, because it doesn't really leave you as a pilot now. You always have that emergency as part of your training tool. But uh, so you were saying it was over the ocean at night, too. So it it must have been uh, pretty terrifying, to say the least, to have that happen.
1: It was scary, because it was at night. We're out over the ocean off the coast of Florida here, and I remember, like, we couldn't even tell ATC what was going on. We couldn't squawk nothing. You know, I had to keep the battery off. But I remember looking out the front windows of that airplane through the smoke in the cabin and just seeing, like, I went to Boca Raton is where I went to the emergency landing. But I remember looking out that front window and just going, that's all we just need to get right there is all we need to get. But knowing what if this fire erupts and you can't even make it to that last 15 miles.
0: Wow. That's crazy. So – I mean, that does that impact your flying though? Like when you went back into the plane, did did you think about that? Clearly, you you must have had some residual effects from that,
1: right? It took a long time to get over that. Uh, It was, you know, it was was a pretty, you know, scared me. It scared me a lot, and I had to get back up and do the same exact thing again. Mm -hmm. I was like, and we actually went in the same exact airplane to do that exact same flight again, like. A week later at yep. night yep. and I was like, oh my gosh. Of
0: course, landing with no incident on that same flight, there is that sort of like uh, psychological relief factor. It's like, you know, facing that again, I guess, and sort of getting yeah. through it without an event. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I've learned, you know, with emergencies, it's just like your training kicks right in most mm-hmm. of the part, like later in your career, when you really go through a lot of training, when you have issues, you know, you, all the sim training you do, your training just kicks right in. Anytime you have like a caution or master warning come on, yep. it seems like, it, you know, training That's is very valuable.
0: Yep, for sure. Well, speaking of training, uh, we've been training on ATC memes and, well, I don't know what training's the right word, but preparing for uh, the annual Sun and Fun Fly In and Air Show. And of course, you'll be down there, as you mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, with uh, Banyan Pilot Shop, and we'll be down there as well with Banyan Pilot Shop. So, how long have you been going to these fly-ins? You mentioned Oshkosh too. You've been to that as well.
1: Yeah, I go to both of those. Sun and Fun and Oshkosh every year. Probably mm. last five years or so. I've been going yeah. to each of them. I yep. got a uh, real great meetup schedule. All posted at stevo one com with all my sponsors. stevo yeah, one
0: my- com for those of you listening. one And by the way, you're, you you your name Steve S T E V E with an O as an Oscar at the end of it. So it looks kind of like Steve-E-O, but it's Steve O.
1: Correct. So but yeah, Steve-O. we got a we got a lot of good. A lot of cool pilot swag we give away at the uh, meetups and yep. everything else, thanks to all my sponsors and everything. So yeah. A lot, of people, a, lot,
0: a lot of people backing you, and it's so incredible. And our friends, Banyan Pilot Shop, they're going to have a, a really, really cool booth this year. It's much bigger than last year, too. And then last year, it was a pretty decent size as it was. So I'm really looking forward to meeting and greeting and just hanging out with people who are really inspiring to me, yourself included. Yeah, I so appreciate it. It's going to be a lot, of fun. Be a lot of fun. That's, it's also very my-
1: hot down there.
0: It's extremely hot. It was like 94 degrees last year. There was like sweating in places I didn't know I had. So, I'll <laughs> yeah. describe later, you know. Yeah,
1: my favorite thing about these uh, aviation events is just getting to meet up with all your friends that also share the same passion.
0: For sure. You know, it's aviation's not really that big of a community, but when you get into that sort of world where there's just thousands upon thousands of people like that, it's it opens your mind up and your eyes up. You're like, this actually is pretty big. You know, there's a lot of people out there, especially you with your numbers. They're going to have people coming up to you and just saying, like I said in the beginning, hey, you inspired me. This is what got me into flying. It was your channel, perhaps. That's so important to just kind of bounce off people,
1: you know. And yeah, it's really, that's really what inspiring. keeps me going, to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, now, have you ever had any like uh I don't know what the word is, I suppose like your end goal of all this. Do you have any particular goal long term you'd like to do with the, the Steve One Camivo account or your personal career?
1: Um, as far as YouTube, I mean like YouTube gives you an award at a hundred thousand with the silver play button.
0: Yeah. I think and
1: so. and then a million is when they give you the gold play button. So I think once I hit a million, I'll just I'm done. <laughs> you know, I think actually
0: Captain Joe had a million recently, and now I have to make fun of him endlessly because he didn't tell me about that play. Because he, I, when I first met him, it was like seven fifty, and now he's over a million. So that guy's oh, yeah, so growth has been insane. He'll be
1: getting know? that gold play button here soon in the mail. Yeah,
0: yeah. What the, yeah, I mean. Now the, the ATC memes, like our YouTube's not that big because we don't really usually focus on YouTube. It's not really what we quote unquote do or focus on. But as I, you know, like to mature some of these side projects, I would definitely, definitely like to get uh, more video involved because people are so visual, you know, and they love that type of stuff. Yeah, so, for sure. And that's what I want to do is just keep growing it. You know, Steve, I gotta ask: Do you have any funny ATC stories or any particular ATC memes skit maybe you liked or joke? I'm always asking pilots about this.
1: I don't know. I can't compete with you. you, you got, you're got. you on top of your game with oh, that. Oh, no, come on.
0: Anyway, guys, this has been episode four of the Aviation Lowdown with my guest, my friend, steve one Knievo. And like I said in the very first episode of this whole series, aviation is like kind of one big family. And I think once again, we sort of learned something about another member of the aviation community here. It's been a lot of fun. And, Steve, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, again, I always tell people there's always a story. There's always something to be learned, and uh, it's been a true pleasure talking to you, Steve. Thanks so much once again.
1: Thanks, L.O. It's been a lot of fun hanging out with you, and I'll be seeing you guys at Sun and Fun coming up.
0: Yeah, man, you bet. Can't wait to see you there. Take it easy. Have a good one. So, yeah, just to reiterate, Steve and I will both be down at the annual Sun and Fun Fly-In down in good old Lakeland, Florida this year. It's April 2nd through the 7th, and you definitely don't want to miss us. We'll be down there with Banyan Pilot Shop, our good friends from Fort Lauderdale, one of the best pilot shops, if not the best, in the world. Check it out. Seriously, it's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of people, meet and greets, lots of planes, products being sold, giveaways, you name it. If it's fun, it's in the sun, it involves aviation, whatever. It's seriously going to be a great time. So hope to see you guys. Like I said, we both will be there. Well, guys, hope you had as much fun as I did here in Aviation Lowdown, Episode 4. As always, if you want to send me some love and fan mail or, uh, yeah, some hate mail, too, LO at AviationLowdown.com. I'm always checking that thing. I'm seriously on the other end of that all the time. Please subscribe to us, Spotify, iTunes, whatever floats the boat. And check us out on all the major social media networks, of course. And we'll be back next week with some even more fun and exciting aviation interviews and stories. And uh, it's the weekend now, so go out and enjoy yourself. And as I always say, don't do anything I wouldn't do, which uh, <clears throat> isn't really much. Anyway, hello. I'm signing off. Take care.